Hello. Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Glocal Podcast. Brought to you by Kwansei Gakuin University. Tokyo Marunouchi Campus. Our podcast is about people and events from around the world. With your host, Tamago. And Kangaku Taro. Hi, Munya. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? We are good. Good.、Uh, good. Hi, Sarah. Hello. And hi. Stephanie. Hi. Hello. Nice well, to have you. you. We're good. You're calling in from Beirut, correct? Beirut, Lebanon.、Yes. Except Sarah, who is joining us from Denmark. Yeah. Denmark.、Ah. <laughs> Which part of Denmark?、Uh, Copenhagen, Copenhagen. greater region. Yeah. I、uh, love that city.、Mm-hmm. I went to Tivoli Gardens, but that was ages、wow. ago. <laughs> It's still as magical, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good.、Um, so、uh, let's start with our first question, and it's going to come from、uh, Natsuki. A volunteer student from,、uh, from our university. Hello, I'm Natsuki, and I want to ask our first question, which is because in Japan,、um, Model UN isn't a really、um, popular thing. Please tell us about basic aspects about Model UN. Sure. So essentially, Model UN is exactly what it sounds like. It's a model of the United Nations where we simulate the different committees and bodies of the UN, like the General Assembly or the Security Council, for example. What happens is participants, which are called delegates, are given a country. And then within the committee, they have to develop whatever topic is on the agenda, such as nuclear disarmament,、uh, food sustainability,、uh, economic trade, and all of those. Their goal is to reach a solution to the problem in the form of a UN resolution by working with the other delegates there while defending the interests of their own country. So you wouldn't see a delegate of the United States, for example, go against the United States' interests. Their goal is to find a solution that would essentially benefit them. And the greater population and the greater international community, essentially. It is basically a celebration of diplomacy, public speaking, and leadership. And it is a really useful way of acquiring a number of skills. So, in addition to those, you'd also be learning a lot about research, about drafting resolutions, and about policy making. Yeah, I just wanted to add upon this.、Uh, as Model UN, you wouldn't be assigned your own country. For example, we've never been assigned Lebanon. <laughs> At some point, we knew about other countries. For example, me and Sara, we were representing El Salvador. We knew about El Salvador more than Lebanon because we took this country as if it's our own. We took it and tackled it to the bits and pieces, and its research was really detailed. And to add upon that, the whole goal of this conference and the whole goal actually of the United Nations, which some people don't even know, is to formulate a draft resolution. So, at the end of the conference, you should come up with a list of solutions to the topic that you have. So, for example, me and Sarah had、uh, the war reparations, it was the topic that we had. It's a really tough topic if you think about it. How us kids would even know how to resolve this issue? But the thing is, you have to break it down. Everything is breakable. Everything, you can quantify it, you can、uh, categorize everything. And delegates from all around the world have different ideas. So that's what makes a draft resolution really、um, interesting and new、uh, to us. And we actually brought up really good ideas because of this. So at the end of the conference,、uh, we submit a draft resolution and we see which one passes because there's many draft resolutions. We vote upon them and the one passes,、um, we celebrate it. And that's that. Well, congratulations on your performance. Now, let's take a few steps back.
uh, and tell our listeners, uh, let's say day one of you getting together and deciding to participate and, you know, how that took on um, a life of its own. Um, every year since UBM inception in 2009, we have sent a delegation to Harvard World Month. So this was sort of an annual event for us. There, there was no question as to whether or not we would participate. The big question was to whether or not we would be able to participate. First, because it wasn't confirmed that World Month would be online. Some of us still thought that it might be held in Tokyo. But when the news came that it was online and we saw the huge fee of participation, which was approximately... $800 if memory serves right. It might not seem that big, but for a country like Lebanon, which is currently going through its worst economic crisis and in which dollars are extremely difficult to come by, it posed a significant challenge to our participation. Is that fee per team or per person? So per person, it was approximately $100. And since there were eight of us uh, as delegates, it would have been, it would have amounted to $800 in total. Okay. But there so, was also a team fee of a few dozen dollars as well. Okay. So for the listeners, uh, Lebanon this year is going through, uh, let's say hell. Uh, there's a whole bunch of challenges that are, that have accumulated over the years and the result is economic collapse. It's really due to poor governance. And so the irony is that we have a bunch of students <laughs> who are performing at a world-class level while the government is, uh, is doing the exact opposite. All right, uh, back to you, Munya. Just some context for the listeners. Thank you. So essentially, we knew that we wanted to participate in Harvard World Month. Now it was just a question of making it happen. And if Stefanie wants to tell us how this happened, and then the other delegates can talk about their personal experience since the decision was announced, I think that would be fantastic. Okay, um, so we go through a meticulous process. We go through five conferences that were fully online this year, where we see how delegates perform. It's like a mock conference where we choose a topic and we give countries, just like in an international conference, but on a national level inside the club. And then we see how each delegates perform. After that, we go through an interview and we ask them questions. We, we really had a lot of questions because we were really lost. Like, if we have to travel, who can afford it? Who can't afford it? Who can travel? Who did Corona? Who did not do Corona? There's a lot of questions here. But at the end of the day, we picked our team. And uh, we were sure that this team was the best team possible to participate in uh, Harvard MUN. And afterwards, we went through several workshops and intensive research and training and stuff. Uh, in order to achieve what we've achieved. Um, I think it's really significant, um, like you were saying as well, Tara, early on, that like um, the context of us being Lebanese and from a Lebanese background and, of course, being sent as a Lebanese delegation um, from day one was extremely apparent. Um, like Munya was saying, from the basic element of signing up in the first place, right? And I mean, we were supposed to go, most of us, and, and some of us, of course, joined new this year, we were supposed to go to Worldman last year uh, in Tokyo. And we, we actually did collect at the time our registration fees, but even back then, we're talking January, February 2020, before Lebanon became what it is today. Even back then, and I'm sure Munya and Stephanie can vouch in for that, there was a trouble gathering the, the physical cash to register for the conference and I remember myself having to to find that cash thinking is this really worth it I 
I'm I'm struggling to find the cash. And 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 I was in in a good place, if you could say, and I'm struggling to find the cash to just the registration fee. Is this sustainable? How am I gonna consider it now with with travel fees and hotel and food and, and things like that? Um, which are things so, that had it be, been the year before, we maybe wouldn't have considered. Yeah. So I mean, how did you end up raising the cash um, as as a team? And also, I'm beginning to realize that the competition itself kind of discriminates against countries that are not uh, economically advanced, right? So uh, the thing is, um, Lebanon, after the devastating Beirut explosion, had a lot of international exposure. And we know this. Um, we, I mean, Lebanon wasn't a famous country. Let's face it. We were, oh, where are you? Next to Syria? This is something that we heard a lot. Oh, it's a desert? We heard a lot of comments like that before the Beirut explosion. But after the Beirut explosion, everybody knew what Lebanon is. Everybody knew how much help we needed. So we sended a long email with articles and proofs that were from the upper, I'm not gonna say upper middle class of Lebanon because we go to a university, we have a proper education. This is all of the blessings that we can have in Lebanon. However, we weren't able to transfer the money because banks are not letting us transfer dollars outside of Lebanon in the first place. So even if I had the money, I cannot transfer it to you. What can I do? So uh, at this point, uh, Harvard MUN was kind enough uh, to waive all fees from us. And they told us, don't worry about it. Just come to the conference. We're going to give you your assignments without paying anything. Just come. And it was really super nice of them because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be participating at all. Well done. And so at what point did you find out that it was going to be online and that you didn't have to travel? Um, I think since November, it was early on uh, in our decision making that we knew that we're not going to travel, but um, we were still hoping. <laughs> Some part of us was irrational, hoping, oh, I want to go to Tokyo. <laughs> and I really envy you because you're in Tokyo and we were dreaming of this for two years. But um, it's fine. I mean, it's the experience that counts. We would have loved to meet you here, by the way, but we probably wouldn't have because we only found out about you after the, uh, the articles came out that you guys, uh, that you guys won. Uh, but in the future, uh, you're all welcome for lunch here if you make it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully. Um, okay. So uh, tell me more. Uh, I think you mentioned a little bit about how you prepared for the competition. Uh, do you want to tell me more about that? And then later, I would like to know more about what your what were your expectations. Okay. So usually, when we prepare for a model UN, and that would follow up on Natsuki's question. Uh, is that we have a background guide. So there's a guide that tells us everything in general about the topic. So the sub uh, categories that we have to tackle. So we read this through very thoroughly and we see all the words that we do not understand, all the terms that may be interdisciplinary and may, we may need to see more resources uh, to understand more of this topic and so on. Then we go through a research on the uh, country at hand that we have, and then we put them in link, and we see how these two, um, the topic and uh, the country, coincide. Because sometimes you're in a country where the topic does not coincide at all, and some delegates have this, so they were in a very bad position. How can we make ourselves look good? This is one of the skills that we have. Yes. And can you give me an example of some, like just to to make a concrete uh, example? Like, what, give me a situation where there's this disconnect. Yeah. So, uh, for example, uh, we had a delegate that was Equatorial Guinea for a conflict of Kashmir. 
And this was very offside, if you think of it, like Equatorial Guinea is here and Kashmir is here. And all the delegates that were in uh, the Kashmir area had something to say. However, the Equatorial Guinea, you would think that they would have nothing to say. But the skill in MUN is to always make yourself heard, to always make yourself that you have something important to say, no matter how, what your country is, how are you representing it and so on. And uh, so after that, um, we went through training sessions where we trained our delegates in terms of public speaking and debate. Um, usually the delegates that participate in Harvard MUN, I'm gonna say it as is, participated in MUN for a long time now. So they're not new to this whole experience. I mean, they did MUN before, this is not the first time thing. And we wouldn't send people that are first timers to Harvard MUN. It's the hardest of the hardest. So um, they have the baggage. We just uh, touched up on their skills uh, in order to make sure that we're not rusty and we can do it also online because to all of us, online was the first. <laughs> so it wasn't similar to our previous MUN experiences. Well, please tell me about the, the virtual uh, session, I mean, the event. So this was the first uh, virtual uh, event. I mean, do you have to discuss or the, you have to deal with the people online? So tell us how difficult or the, maybe easier. I don't know. I have no idea. So please tell us about more like, a, you know, virtual meetings. Sure. So... First of all, I can guarantee you that we had no idea either when we were going into this. Um, during the fall semester, we hosted a couple of online conferences, as Stephanie said before, for our club. So we were a bit more used to talking to a large group of people online. And I do believe that this small immersion into the world of virtual MUN did help our delegates a lot. However, no matter how much we would prepare at home, we wouldn't know exactly how Harvard Worldman would do it themselves. Would they use the same rules? as we did pertaining to the virtual side of the conference? Would they even use the same platform? Which they didn't. We were using WebEx and they were using Zoom. But essentially, you just have to remember that this is an MUN conference like any other. And when you really have the will to be very diplomatic, you can find a way. For example, some delegates used the raise hand technique during um, you, you know, chaotic conversations. Others decided to break into much smaller groups, so groups of three or four, so that conversations would be easier and each one would tackle a subtopic. So a lot of creative solutions did come up. However, the biggest challenges that we faced as Lebanese people in the context of virtual MUN were one, terrible internet connection and i mean terrible and two time zones because oh, harvard yeah. worldman was hosted in boston time so at four in the morning we'd be giving speeches and uh, the rest of our family is sleeping in the apartment and we're trying not to wake them but we also need to deliver you know the proper level of passion and everything so time zones were very challenging but we're really banded together for this one so if you see our whatsapp conversations or anything you would just see a, a flood of motivational messages where everyone is just encouraging each other to keep going on to keep pushing and I think that knowing that your teammates are also going through this but they that they are soldiering through I think this was a real boost of energy for everyone so if any of the delegates like uh, Maurice or Mark or Sarah who we haven't heard from in a while want to collaborate on this uh, go ahead guys um, uh, I remember very clearly that uh, during our 4 a.m. sessions, we would also be afraid of power outages, which are very common. So 
being mid speech and the the power going out, you would lose your entire time for the speech. You would look unprofessional. So we would have to actually pay for mobile internet and use hotspot to pay to to have the internet to keep and an extra power supply for the computer so it doesn't go off. So uh, any fee that we didn't pay to Harvard, we had to pay back in logistics just to make sure that we uh, that we were up and running for the entire conference. But for most of the conference, uh, delegates were surprisingly very professional. They were uh, always uh, taking the time to let someone else speak. And they were actually extremely terrified of going into an unmoderated caucus because people would just randomly talk and they would be afraid of all this chaos. And so they'd always go for something where you could always raise your hand to speak, uh, making it easier for them to, to be heard. I'm guessing, Mark, that as Lebanese, you were not afraid of chaos, right? No way. We, we actually got used to multitasking with chaos. chaos exactly. Just on the back of our head. Exactly. Sarah? Yeah, and I think it's also just to, to add on to what Munio was saying earlier about the time difference. I mean, it, it was really an existential experience to spend five to six days in, in the same spot. So in the same place in your house where the Wi-Fi connection was the best, so you were not considering moving, you were sitting in the right chair, really not moving an inch. And then and after the conference, and I, and I really kid you not, we were jet lagged. <laughs> we, we were in every sense of the word jet lagged. Yeah. We, we had to flip our schedule beyond compare. I mean, I've traveled overseas before on a few occasions and I've never been as jet lagged as that. And I was telling my friends and my family, you know, I'm sorry if I'm not like really focused with you. I woke up, I'm trying to flip my jet lag. They're like, you traveled? I'm like, well, not traveled, so to speak. I, I stayed in my living room, but et cetera. And it was also really difficult to try to explain that phenomenon to um, our superiors at work. Some of us are, um, are in jobs our professors, uh, et cetera. Because as Lebanese, you all have so much going on that this is, of course, not not, not, not that the things you're thinking about. Um, but we were met with so much support, I would say, regardless, um, especially because of the context and um, that it's not very often these days that we get to go abroad and, and shine in, in the right way, with a, with a bright light, perhaps, instead. So uh, I keep thinking, you know, when is the movie coming out? <laughs> this would be a great movie. <laughs> Yeah, so let me tell you the, you know, congratulations again, because such a, you know, huge hurdles you kind of, you know, jumped and then so you won the prize. So that's so amazing. So what's the motivation? So you have many, you know, so the financially, internet and also time lag so on so on you see you have many you know issues but still you keep doing that and then so you won the prize so what's your motivation tell us yeah, it'd be great if everyone could answer this one so Noor you can start okay hi everyone I haven't talking yet um so what motivates us here is uh, the fact that we've been an Amiyanir delegate for a long time now and uh, we love the fact of representing countries uh, and their stance and how they would react to a certain situation. Because we've done several conferences in the past, we know how to deal with, uh, with economic crisis well, in, in a certain conference, whether it's an economic, political or humanitarian crisis. We, we really appreciate to, to give our point of view on the matter. And this is mainly our motivation, the fact that we get to represent 
the stance of a country in a certain conference in order to build resolutions and uh, come up with a plan in order to overcome a certain crisis. Uh, Maurice, if you want to add anything. Yes, uh, I wanted to add that from uh, my my side, for example, like unlike most of uh, like our delegate, most of the delegates of our delegation, uh, it's only my second year at uh, MUN and the whole MUN uh, thing in general. So uh, seeing all the achievements that have like that have been done by uh, by all the AUB delegations in the past, I and despite all the challenges that we had, I really believed like uh, since the beginning that. Uh, we had we had to, to to do it because I knew that you know if at least we wouldn't win like uh, the the best delegation award or or something, I know we would at least like gain this beautiful experience that uh, that, that we that we that we did despite the whole uh, like uh, the whole situation and everything that's been going on like we wanted to to keep on doing our our things that it was really worth this uh, going through this experience honestly. And the fact that we won and the fact that uh, you are hosting us uh, today is really an honor on behalf of all of uh, the delegates present here. Uh, uh, yeah, the honor is ours, uh, Maurice. All right, Mark. Yeah, uh, we all had our personal motivations. Like we all wanted to go and try and win because in the end, uh, Harvard MUN is the hardest thing to, to, to obtain. And uh, as we've seen in the past, like Belgium MUN are very, very strong and they always win. And managing to, to take the best delegation award was more than was an achievement that's that lasts a lifetime. So we, we all had our own our own reasons to want to win. But winning together, honestly, is maybe the the one thing that brought us all closer together, in my opinion. So, I mean, this brings me back to the question, what were your expectations when you came in? Because a lot of times, especially, uh, you know, from small countries, people think, okay, this is a long shot, but let's do it for fun. Let's do it to make a point. So I'm just curious, uh, Stephanie. Okay, so I'm going to be really honest with this. We weren't expecting to win the Best Dedication Award. That I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Maybe we didn't say it on any news outlets till now, but we didn't expect it. We I went expect honesty, Stephanie, nothing but honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the thing is, uh, we never won before. I mean, we participated. Personally, I participated in a New York conference and UBMUN had a strike. I mean, we were habituated every year we're going to win. That was our um, normal thing to do. But in Harvard, they never won. <laughs> they were always going and saying, it's the hardest thing to do. Uh, we can't win this. Uh, it was very hard. So we were like, OK, we're going to go and try our best and do the best we can. And I really mean this. I'm in the club for three years and Munya for four. And this is the best team we've ever saw coming to the club. I mean, despite all the circumstances and everything, but it's really the best team we can ever imagine. And um, winning was always in the back of our head because we never lost personally. I mean, as persons, we never lost. But as a group, um, it came, came to our surprise to win. And it was a good surprise, <laughs> to be honest. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. I didn't, re I didn't realize until you said it, Stephanie. I didn't realize that we had never even had our eye on, on this award that we got. It, personally, at least, it had never been something I, I had set as a, as a target that we were going to reach. We each had just, as a pair, as a delegate, as a delegation, said, we're going to do our best to get that award that we can get. 
and it was as if that award was it wasn't in our hands you know it was we were competing against a lot all we could really do was our individual best um, and of course uh, the UBMUN cabinet themselves did beyond their best to then train us all and etc but um, realizing that now in retrospect it's it's like uh, Mark was saying as well there are these big delegations that are almost notorious for known to go to these conferences and it's almost a secured win time on time again and that's all of course because of uh, resources and priority of certain institutions and so on. And when it came to our institution and, and our home country, not only had we never won as, as an AUB uh, delegation, but no one from Lebanon had won before. And even from the greater region of MENA, it had been a while since someone had won uh, this award. So because of that, it felt really special. So MENA for the listeners means uh, Middle East or North Africa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, Mark? Yeah. So like, like both my colleagues were saying, uh, when we used to go to MUN in Turkey or New York, we would always have a set number of awards we were, we were going for. So we would say that in Turkey, we're expecting at least three best, delegates, three best delegate award, three honorable mentions. Same thing for New York, since it's all mostly on moderate caucus and uh, we tend to be very friendly with other people. We were also expecting a set number of awards. But when it came to, to Harvard, we were like, maybe we'll win one honorable mention or one best delegation uh, one best delegate award or diplomacy award and that was it so actually uh, when we received an email that there was a mistake with the uh, with the best delegation award and they and we saw our our names there we all went completely bonkers we were super super happy to the point where the next day we noticed that they didn't fix that we won on uh, on wikipedia and actually fixed it ourselves sorry tell me more about this mistake i didn't hear about that there was a mistake where they chose, they made a mistake counting uh, with the points. Uh, I don't know their, their rubrics, but they sent us an email that there was a mistake with the best delegation award for small committees and large committees. And when we got that email and we saw our name in the small delegation, we, we were super, super happy. Okay, so it was like the Oscars when they announced the wrong, uh, the wrong best movie or whatever. Okay, congratulations. I didn't know that. Sarah. I think it's also really um, humorous to note that when we were watching the award ceremony, um, we were watching it, of course, uh, virtually as, as with everything else. And uh, some of the team were were gathered in Beirut. Some of us weren't. So I was still, still abroad, et cetera, et cetera. And we all just uh, synced almost, turned off the laptop once our awards had gone by, because already at that point, it was a historic amount of awards. And we're like, that's it. We're done. This is it. And we all just kind of celebrated. So I left my laptop on, went to celebrate with my friends and family, so on and so forth. And so we never actually even paid much attention to what was going to happen with the best delegation awards. And so for all we know, they could have announced it right then and there and we would have missed it maybe. Uh, But it wasn't because we, at least personally, it wasn't because I got that email saying, oh, there was a mistake with the awards. The, the, The best delegation went to the American University of Beirut. And I was like, wait. Did I miss that in that word ceremony? Because we really hadn't anticipated it. Excellent. Munya. Yeah, so when that happened, actually the first time we heard about it was when one of our delegates received the email 
earlier than others. And so he sent a screenshot on WhatsApp of the email. And we're like, this is fake. What is this? Like, yeah. where did you even get that from? And then he was like, no, no, guys, I assure you, I received it from, from the secretariat. And we were staring at the small phone. A few of us were in the same house, actually. And we we're all just staring at the small screen, just looking at Best Delegation Award, American University of Beirut. And then all of us started screaming at the same time. And I'd like to be very honest here. Um, uh, I'm the president of this club and it has been four years since I was in this club and joining the cabinet and being part of this cabinet in such a difficult year is very intimidating because at this point it's not about doing better. It's about keeping the club afloat essentially. So keeping the, the club afloat in such a difficult situation is already an achievement in, of, in and of itself. So massive kudos to all the members of the cabinet and all the members of the club themselves. But I was thinking that this is not how I wanted to leave this institution that I absolutely adore, that I started calling my home, and that the delegates and members, they deserve more than that, a lot more than having a goal of survival. I wasn't maybe aiming for the best delegation award. I was certainly dreaming of it. But my main goal was to have them just perform at their best, uh, never have them, you know, be down on their luck and just be uh, unmotivated. I just wanted them to be proud of what they would achieve and to push them to do their best. This was my ultimate goal, honestly, for this club. So uh, well, when we went there and they actually won all of those awards, I was absolutely ecstatic because I had achieved my goal, essentially. This was the greatest thing I could have hoped for. And then when we heard that, this, that we won the best delegation award, it's the first time that any delegation from the MENA region won this, despite the entire situation. Honestly, well I, I didn't even know what to believe anymore. This was, this was beyond anything <laughs> I had ever imagined. And I cannot say how proud of them I am, essentially, and how grateful I am for their discipline and motivation and for coming to every training session without, <laughs> without ever cursing at me, essentially. So thank you guys for everything. Honestly, you have no idea how happy you've made me. And I hope that you feel the same way as well. Well, this is fantastic, Munya. I don't know what to say after, <laughs> after this. Speaking of pride, um, what was the reaction of people around you? And not just your family and close friends, but the, the wider country. Um, you know, wh what kind of reception did you receive uh, from, from people in Lebanon? Maurice. Okay, so uh, honestly, I found out that it was like really overwhelming, like the, the whole country's reaction uh, to it. And how, like, every, like, uh, we had so many news articles talking about it, and even like uh, newspapers, newspapers who did not reach out to us, uh, like, for an interview or something, so just wrote about it. And uh, yeah, so no, it was like a bit of unexpected of you know, that reaction to be that, uh, yeah. that big, like, for the whole country. And, uh, but however, uh, as, as days went by, like there were more and more, there was more and more exposure and uh, and so on. Uh, like whether it be on newspaper or on uh, national TV, or uh, you know. So yeah, it was uh, overwhelming. Thank you. And everybody, like everybody, was so proud of it. And like uh, how Munia was saying, like uh, it was the first time in Lebanon and in the region that a delegation gets uh, such an award and so on. So yeah, so uh, the whole the whole thing. And as you were previously mentioned, like how. Uh, how, how opposing this can be, like having uh, politicians like like we do here, and how like us, the younger generation, is totally the exact op opposite of what of the face that they are showing. <laughs> exactly, uh, Stephanie. 
Yeah, so I just wanted to say that the initial reaction for us participating was really different from when we won. So uh, before we won, our friends and faculty are like, oh, you want to participate in an international conference in these circumstances? Okay, that's your call. You decided to do this to yourself. <laughs> they weren't really considering that we're going to win or we're going to come out with this with something useful. Uh, so I personally was really shocked with the difference of reaction between before and after conference. And after conference, the one that speaks the most to me is the Facebook comments because Lebanese are known to be up and going on Facebook. They're like, shame on these politicians. Look at the Lebanese youth. They can do everything. You should give them your place. <laughs> you see the comments, they're really funny to an extent, yeah, because uh, they believe so much in us and seeing our picture on Zoom everywhere was really overwhelming to us because... Um, yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to say that there's not one person that didn't mention us after we won uh, that we knew because random people that we personally I didn't talk to in like seven years from school, from preschool. Hi, that's you on the news. Oh, really? How did you find me on this news outlet? I didn't see it yet. It was very funny. So you became uh, celebrities, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five minutes of fame. 15 minutes, 15 minutes. So hopefully it'll last longer. Mark, go for it. Yeah, uh, honestly, my I expected it for it to be like a big deal for like maybe one or two days. Maybe have uh, an article or two yeah. being written for maybe one or two days and like having some close friends to celebrate. But after like a week or two, we kept seeing articles coming out on bigger and bigger independent news channel or even actual uh, channels that all over Lebanon. And that's when, like, uh, like Stephanie said, people that you haven't spoken to in a very long time recognize you and like, how, how are you and how is it? I, even to the point I had a person who was in the U.S. in California who I didn't expect to, to, to get these news, actually saw them on a, on a news channel in the U.S. <laughs> and uh, she contacted me saying she, she was uh, celebrating with me and everything. And it was a bit more than 15 minutes. I, I can't tell you that. It was a bit more than 15 minutes. <laughs> It dragged on for a while, but I, I enjoyed every second of it, honestly, with, uh, with my delegates. Excellent. Uh, Natsuki, if you have any other questions, please jump in. Wait, I didn't expect it that. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I know but, so take your time. It's okay. Okay. Um, okay. Hmm. We can come back to you later if you want. Yeah, that's sorry. Okay, <laughs> I just you know, I want to make sure that you uh, you participate if you want to. Okay, all right. Um, so speaking of uh, of of Lebanese outperforming uh, and their government underperforming, uh, the biggest story recently was the Moderna vaccine, and the Lebanese government has given what is it eight or ten awards to Lebanese citizens who are involved in Moderna from the founder, etc. And I'm just wondering if the Lebanese government has reached out to any of you with any similar prizes and, and what would you do if they did reach out to you? Sarah. I think, of course, in, in, in contrast to, to this vaccines and, of course, Moderna being this limelight in, in our world right now, along with other vaccines, uh, it's, of course, wonderful. And it's a pride for us that we have Lebanese doing that out in the world. And, and that's on a, on a different scale, how we feel about the work that we've done. Um, but of course, um, 
we haven't heard in particular from from any you know public authority in Lebanon, at least to the best of my knowledge. But our home institution, so the American University of Beirut, has been extremely supportive from what I've understood and from what I've heard. Uh, they've really done and all and gone really up and beyond um, what we had expected in terms of making sure that this achievement was not just heard in regards to it being an achievement by the institution, but also that we got credit as the individual delegates that had gone and achieved this, and of course, AUBMUN. Um, but of course, there, some of us come from this area of politics, political science, academically, and I think it's an interesting question you know, to ask um, if we had gotten this uh, national public uh, attention or um, recognition, if you will, I think it's interesting to, to then ask, well, well, does that legitimize or not in terms of the political right? So um, some of us may, may still believe that that's a huge honor um, to be recognized by our, our public authorities in Lebanon or our national authorities. But I, I do think that a lot of us wouldn't necessarily consider that this great honor like we may have a few years back, no, no disrespect meant, but I think that the, the context has changed. Um, and I think that's also why when you see diplomacy in the works, when you see Lebanese go abroad without self-interest, but just with the interest of serving Lebanon or putting Lebanon on the map in, in the right ways, um, you get satisfied. Even if I hadn't been part of this delegation, I think I might even have been happier to, to see this achievement. Maurice? Uh, yeah, like me from my side, Coming, not coming from, uh, as Sarah said, from a political science background, like I'm an industrial engineering student. Uh, I would think that if uh, any political entity here in Lebanon approached us to, to give us an award or to like whatever, I would probably go and like, despite like who is the person, like whether, whether it be, for example, in the best case, the president, like the president of Lebanon, uh, like despite what, we have been going through because of his or whoever's uh, decision in the country. But it's just like, you know, like the image of the president of Lebanon, like in general, or any other government. But yeah, like it was a bit like, not shocking, but like I, I expected to have like at least like any governmental entity, like on a small scale level and to, uh, to approach us like in any, in any way, you know, because, uh, because as they were, as Sarah was uh, was saying earlier, that uh, the administration at AUB was very supportive and uh, did their best in like in uh, first supporting us and then uh, trying to spread this news around. So I'm sure that uh, anyone from the government was aware of uh, of this uh, of this thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know like uh, if if it is in their interest to approach us of, or or not. You know. Uh, so yeah, that's a bit like uh, of a question mark. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep this short and simple. Uh, we really worked hard for the awards. So uh, getting some recognition, in my opinion, is is honestly important because in the end, the award is what it is. We worked very hard for it and getting recognized by the government could have been, could have been great. Uh, we don't necessarily agree or like either of their politics from any side in Lebanon, but this is something we worked hard for and recognition would have been great. But I believe that they have bigger fish to fry right now before focusing on us. They have a, a lot more on their plate. So uh, that's why we didn't, I, I personally didn't really expect any recognition from them. Regarding. 
Do you think this huge achievement makes you change the, you know, somehow the point of view or the opinion? So, or nothing gonna change? So, please tell us. Uh, Noor? Uh, okay, so for sure, this achievement will change uh, whether us or or the way cl- uh, the club uh, used to handle things, mainly because uh, this challenge gave us the opportunity to show the people out there how even an online conference and on- with an online conference and with all the challenges we went through, we were able to achieve a, cer- a certain great performance. And this will make us change in such a way that it will... Uh, it will it will give us the possibility to show the people that uh, even uh, even with all the difficulties we were we we went through we were able to achieve something great and uh, on a personal level it 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 kind of give us a certain pride because because we were able to achieve uh, this this result and uh, maybe someone would like to add uh, something else okay munya Thank you. So I completely agree with everything that Noor has said, that this is a message of hope, essentially. Well, not that much, but it's a sort of message to every person out there, mostly university students, that feel that the situation has completely paralyzed them, that they can no longer achieve anything. Well, this is a reminder that there is always a way to shine. Uh, Perhaps it is more difficult now, certainly, but this is when we really have to give it our all, to keep pushing. And this is why I want to highlight the importance of those clubs and those activities at the university level for all the students out there, because not only is it an opportunity for you to learn lifelong skills, but it's also an opportunity for you to shine beyond academics. And it's an opportunity for you essentially to prove uh, to yourself prove your worth to compete against the best of the best internationally. So I really want to encourage all students out there to pursue those extracurricular activities because I cannot honestly flaunt their benefits enough. Not only do you meet incredible people both in your university and outside of your country, but you also learn things about yourself. For example, I'm sure that all of us learned that we are capable of doing this. I'm, I'm fairly certain that none of us went into this competition thinking that we are capable of winning this top prize. But look at us now. Look at what we can, what we can achieve. Like, we did this. So it's a fantastic way to learn about ourselves. And I do believe that it gave us even more self-confidence now because uh, seeing that we managed to overcome all of those difficulties and to snag this prize, um, I mean, it, it just shows us that the human spirit can overcome anything essentially, if you are with the right team, the right mindset, and you have that motivation that we talked about before. Yeah, excellent right. points. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, um, I wanted to talk just generally about how MUN changes people, especially in a country like Lebanon, where we most of us really have no filter on what we say and what we don't say. We're raised in, a, in families that are really judgmental. They don't really care about what they have to say. If they have something to say, they'll say it. They won't care about your opinion. As long as they think they're right, they think they're right. And MUN is a really humbling experience because it really teaches you how to be more diplomatic with people, not only in, in a committee session, but also outside. You start to listen to people. You start to understand what they're saying. You don't just jump in, barge in with your opinion. So you'll actually learn how to communicate with people better, how to be more respectful, how to be, uh, let's call it more diplomatic in general, and uh, just, in my opinion, a better person. 
I think um, you're all I, quite amazing people already, but you're right. There's always room to, to improve. Uh, Stephanie, please. Um, I just have to uh, raise a point that my colleagues didn't raise now, but the thing is, I believe that we're all here talented. And the problem here with our country is that they don't know how to invest in these talents. And uh, for the record, I know that maybe each and every one of us is leaving Lebanon at some point of their lives and are planning, where am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to get another passport than the Lebanese one? Because the Lebanese one won't even benefit me. So I believe that what we have achieved is really beneficial on a personal level. And we all outgrew this uh, achievement and it will really bring us up in the maybe when we apply on jobs and so on. But um, as for being leaders for our country, I believe that, um, unfortunately, um, I don't think that they are going to invest in the youth, uh, not even anytime soon, because um, this isn't what we're habituated to. And uh, it's really sad, but it's just a recognition by name. But in action, uh, we don't have something happening here in Lebanon. Thank you. Amago, any other questions? Good. You're okay? Okay. Yeah. So um, now I'm going to open it up to all of you. Um, anything that you'd like to mention that hasn't been uh, discussed so far and or anything you have to say to your fellow students in Japan? Mark. If you like, I can go for, oh, sorry, go ahead, oh, Mark. Sorry. Raise your hands, please. So, Mark. Uh, regarding the fellow delegates in Japan, uh, I remember after finishing our committee sessions and all being tired, we would have a, uh, just like a virtual drinking session where we would all have a, have a glass of alcohol or whatever our religion permits to drink. We'd all just sit down and get to know each other better because in the end, although it is a competition, uh, we were very kind to each other outside committee sessions. We weren't looking to stab someone in the back uh, in, uh, to, to try and shine more or anything. I believe that we built a bond with these people that I hopefully will meet one day. And uh, a huge shout out to the amount of work they put in. I remember students who were even outside committee sessions thinking about how they could improve asking the chair and asking other people if uh, they did this wrong or did this right. And honestly, it shows huge dedication and uh, massive respect for them. So was it sake or whiskey? Which one did the Japanese drink? Uh, I don't remember if we had any Japanese delegates with us, sadly. Uh, I believe okay. everyone was from uh, or South Asia or mm. Europe. Mm. Uh, so it was all, uh, we, we had one delegate <laughs> who drank yogurt flavored carbonated milk, which was <laughs> something to me. Where is he from? He's from Pakistan, I believe. He had okay. yogurt flavored carbonated milk, which was something that's definitely new to me, while others just had beer or water or anything else. All right. Munya. Thank you. So my first message to my fellow delegates from Japan is that Harvard World Month is happening in Tokyo in 2022. And you bet that I will do everything in my power to attend this conference. Nice. <laughs> so hopefully I will be able to meet some of you. Hopefully I will have the honor of competing against Japan's best and discovering all the beauties 
that this country has because uh, honestly, Japanese culture is, is absolutely wonderful. And in preparation to my trip to Tokyo last year, I just started doing research on what to do, where to go, where to eat, what to visit and everything. So I have an entire plan and I don't want it to go to waste at all. So I fully intend to go to World Man Tokyo next year and to just have a blast in Japan and just have the most fun possible and discover as much as possible of this country. And uh, yes, uh, Tara, Munya, excuse me. Have uh, I want you to promise me something. Uh, please share uh, my email and uh, Sachi's email with the team. And I really want you guys to get in touch with us uh, if you make it to Tokyo. Yeah, That's a pinky uh, promise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be really, really nice to uh, to take you out for, I don't know, whatever activities you guys want, including sake for those of you who want to drink. That sounds fantastic. I really look forward to it. Same and in here. the meantime, I'm going to tell my fellow uh, delegates from Japan to prepare <laughs> to try to <laughs> join uh, more in those activities because they are extremely beneficial. Who knows, maybe your university might become one of the new pioneers of MUN in Japan, since you said that it is not very popular over there. So yeah. that's always a new avenue to explore and to open up for everyone. And I would just like to tell every student out there to just believe in yourselves, to seize those opportunities while you have yeah. the time, because really this is how you, you forge your character, essentially. This is how you gain the skills that you will need later. This is how you start networking. And uh, honestly, just seize every opportunity that you have uh, whenever they come by, because none of us would have expected to have been here speaking with you on this podcast to have a mess someone reach out from us mm -hmm. from the other side of the globe because of something we've achieved so really life takes you in every possible direction just make sure to be ready and able to embrace the flow essentially basically uh, natsuki you're expected to uh, form the next um, team to represent japan and they i'm sure they will help you if you want to sarah Yes, we'll put we'll put everything we have on board to to help foster a team in Japan. Um, no, but I think it's really important. Uh, speaking of helping, and and what both um, Mark and Munya touched on is this element of generosity in the world. So, um, for example, I I currently am a researcher at um, the Happiness Research Institute, and we've been looking at for the yeah we've been looking at for the past year. Um, how generosity levels have changed worldwide because that influences a lot of political realms significantly. And generosity has been a, at an all-time low at some point this year um, because of everything ongoing, but it also ended up really pioneering, um, statistically speaking. And I think that's a big thing to focus on. I mean, this year with COVID and, and what all countries have been going through individually and on a national scale, Lebanon is one example of many others. Um, it's really important that what is in our control, which is generosity, we try to perceive that and pursue that to the best of our ability. And, and MUN is a fantastic realm for that. We saw it this year. I mean, we've all, like Stephanie said earlier, we're all experienced MUNers to some extent. Maurice is maybe one of the, the, the more newer uh, delegates to MUN, but we've all seen the really bitter side of MUN, the, the, the side where you get into a conference and there's no generosity, there's no room for flexibility, there's no room for friendship. Um, but it was so wonderful to see that Worldman from, from day one, we were talking, like Stephanie said, with the registration, there was that generosity all the way through to the end. And at the end of the day, everything we have in this world is man-made. 
So we have we all have that individual responsibility and opportunity to bring in uh, generosity. And I really, really hope that anyone who's already in MUN or hoping to go into MUN or whatever it is, bring that generosity in with you because it is contagious. And it's one of the few things that are in our hands in a world that right now is so out of our control. Um, and on an institutional basis, generosity is also just so important. So to to touch on what um, both Mark and, and Munia said, as, as individuals as well, if we bring that to the table, also being generous to ourselves, saying you might not right now, right here, uh, know exactly what you're getting yourself into, but be generous to yourself. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You, you'll figure it out along the way. There'll be people along the way that are also going to help you out, that are going to support you. Uh, people that you expect the least. So Stephanie and I, who are co-delegates, I mean, we had individuals reach out to us saying, hey, I have an idea. Do you want me to work on this idea you brought up? I can see that you're quite busy, for example. All right, sure, great, let's let's do that. I'll help you with something else in exchange. And, and these are really the things that are going to come along the way. But you need to bring it in yourself to expect others to bring it in too. Excellent. Um, Stephanie? Um, I just wanted to add upon the fact that uh, your university doesn't have a model UN club. Um, we usually say in MUN, to do an MUN conference, you need a room, a chair and delegates. But right now in the online aspect of things, we realize that you don't even need a room. You need a Zoom link and you're fine with that. <laughs> you can do it with that. So really it starts from within. We just do four to five conferences in the fall semester and then participate in internationally. So nothing is stopping you from indulging in this experience. And I mean, in our team, maybe Munya is the more optimistic one and I'm the more pessimistic person um, because um, I see the worst case scenario. But I'm telling you, even though we'll be in an online setting in 2022, do participate because in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And where there is opportunity, you can find networking and you just need this one connection or one experience that would get you places that you would admire to go to. So really don't hesitate and go all in. And if you need any help regarding the MUN side of things, you can reach out. So don't worry. <laughs> you, you have a lot of experienced delegates here that are ready to help you as well. I think you should start a coaching business. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's end us on this note. Uh, um, personally, I am super proud of you uh, for obvious reasons, and uh, I wish you all the best. Uh, seriously, you should be proud of yourselves as well. All right. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity, it was great meeting you and share our experience with you. So thank you very much for this, and we look forward to maybe meeting you in the future in the flesh in Tokyo. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Global with your host, Tamago and Kangakuru Taro. See you next time. Bye-bye.